Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey, what's up, y'all? Alan Kenny, host of the Blayton Homers and Podcast, part of Crimson and Cream Machine on the SB Nation network of podcasts. It's all COVID all the time right now in uh, the college football world. So I've invited on Ralph Russo of the AP, who's been uh, you know digging into the details on all this stuff, how programs are looking at uh, you know getting back in gear with the season potentially, I guess, <laughs> right yeah. around the corner. So let's go ahead, welcome him on, Ralph. What's going on, man? Hey, doing okay, Alan. Thanks for for having me. Yeah, it, it, listen, everything is at best tentative right now, uh, which makes it a little tricky when you're even trying to report some of this stuff because you find yourself, I can't tell you how many days I find myself at the computer working on a story or chasing some details and thinking to myself, like, is this all going to just be completely out the window in a couple of weeks? Like, right. like, how hard should I really be working on this? Because will any of it actually matter? So I hope it does. I really do. But it's just, you know, uh, realistically, it, it's hard to have a ton of optimism these days. You know what it is? Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, I wrote about that really last week. Um, you know, you've been, I know, digging into a lot of the details, just the mechanics of making all this work. And I was trying to explain that last week in an article I did on on testing about why it is that the amount, the number of tests that are available, not only the number of tests, but the amount of time it takes to get the results back, make this so difficult because you know they're trying to kind of thread a very very uh, small needle here when it comes to having these guys tested in time to play, but also getting those results back. It's just such a mess. Yeah, I think it's. You know, the overriding theme that I've tried to come across, that I've tried to put out there to people, especially when you start dealing with the COVID protocols and and the decision-making process of why this might not be able to work. And when I say this, college football season, why a college football season might not be able to work within a pandemic is everything is connected. Right. Like you can't just say, well, Oh, the 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 football players are young and healthy. They won't get uh, severely sick or or worse die. Or they the, the chances are very low that that will happen. Uh, and you can't just say, well, you know, look, we, we've tested 350 people at my favorite school, like Yo know, Oklahoma has had a lot of yep. generally very positive. Well, I shouldn't say that very positive yeah. negative results. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. 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 So, but, but, but that doesn't necessarily matter because again, it's all interconnected. And if the, the, your state is having a hard time testing people, and if your state is struggling with containing the virus, uh, you can't contribute to that as a school. And if Uh you're running a high risk operation and you know, a football program is a high risk operation, it's a large gathering. And then you put students on campus and none of those, nothing is in a bubble. 
that could affect your county, your, your town, your county, your state. And really, to a certain degree, again, it's all connected nationwide. If, if this country is struggling and test results um, are coming back slowly and, you know, and who needs the tests is, is, is becoming hard to determine or, or it's hard to get people tests when they need them. Like the, the college football can't put a more of a strain on that system. It can't ethically put more of a strain, but there are some, again, there's some murky ethics here about like just, uh, you know, testing and, and where that goes and, and should sports leagues and colleges be able to jump the line. So that's a long-winded answer of saying, again, everything is connected here. And I think that's a really important point to try to explain to people. Right. I think that one thing that gets kind of lost in this is, you know, you back up and you take college football, whatever value you put on that out, right? I mean, if you were to say, oh, we're going to send 100 guys to get together and, you know, uh, play football or in a confined space or, you know, uh, even if it's outdoors, um, you know, however many, you know, essentially what, six, seven days a week, you know, work out together, all that kind of stuff, um, just under basic public health guidelines, uh, this would be a very, very bad idea, not something that's recommended, you know, so it, we're kind of carving out a different space in a certain sense for this one activity, which just raises all kinds of issues. Yeah. And listen, I, I, I got to be very clear. Like, I, I think that some members of the media get painted uh, this way, that you know, you're rooting against college football or you're rooting against sports or, hey, you know, you don't want life to ever get back to normal. I am definitely not in that boat. Uh, you know, listen, I, I, <laughs> right, my, yeah. my, my, my wife is an epidemiologist. So, like, I have, like, some of the benefit of, like, her expertise helps sort of guide me a little bit. And I can run things across her now. She's super busy, so she doesn't want to be bothered too much. Oh, I can <laughs> imagine, <days>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, like, I get the idea that, like, there's a, there's a way to co- co- uh, I guess the word is cohabituate or ho- mm-hmm. habitu- you know, with, cohabitate with, perhaps. Yeah. Cohabitate with the disease, right. With this, with this virus, but we're not in a place throughout a lot of the country where like first you get the virus under control and then you do some things to sort of move forward with normal life and you take some precautions and you can, you know, cohabitate with the virus. Um, but, but we're not really there in a lot of places. So we're trying to skip the part where it seems to me and what I've heard from other experts. And again, so I don't want to make myself sound like an epidemiologist, but I talked to one pretty smart one from John Hopkins, Johns Hopkins University on my podcast recently. And what she was trying to explain is like, first you get the virus under control, then you sort of get back to normal. And, and there are certain, so if you're at a certain level where the virus is under control, then you, you move forward with a zero risk environment, but understand, okay, we're going to take certain risk and we're going to do some mitigation things and, and, and try to get our lives back to normal. I think the step, the step that's being skipped here is, the controlling the virus step, right. <laughs> which is a big one. <laughs> yeah. Which is a big one. And we're, o- we're almost sort of immediately trying to get back to normal before we really have the thing under control. And that's what college sports is dealing with. And I think the college sports leaders, a lot of them are, are understanding 
that. And there's only so much they can do, right? Like they're, they're not in control of the pandemic. They can do a lot of things to keep their athletes safe. But ultimately, again, everything is connected. It's harder to keep them safe if things are running wild, the virus is raging around you. But again, also the problem being that you can only do so much that puts a strain on the system overall. If you're putting a strain on the system overall, that's a that's a bad thing. That's, that's a bad a problem, thing for the yeah. country and for, for the regions that you, you're acting in. Exactly, exactly. Um, by the way, uh, Ralph, uh, his podcast uh, that uh, he was just mentioning, I think he recorded it this week. Uh, as soon as you're done listening to this, click over and uh, check that one out. It was, I mean, like just summed up every detail, just dead on, very sober, uh, you know, viewpoint and uh, just the most informative discussion. Honestly, I've, I've heard about all of these issues, you know, in one place. So make sure to click over there and check that out uh, once you're done here. Um, so. Ralph, I got to ask though, you know, you made um, a point the other day or what you said on Twitter, you likened what's going on right now though to, uh, you know, your favorite team looking at a stack, stack run box and just plowing ahead right into the middle of the offensive line on offense. Uh, what did you mean? Because part of this is, again, I, I think that the the college, college sports officials, I, I think they understand like this is super important, right? Uh, it, it, it sort of goes back to the idea of what is essential, right? Like mm-hmm. to a certain degree, college football is essential because there's a lot of money tied up in it. And I know we hate to make everything about money, but like there are lives and careers and not just opportunities to compete, but like, you know, people will be looking at possibly shutting down their businesses and people getting laid off if, if, if this money sort of, sort of goes away. So I totally get that. But I, I also in talking to people sometimes wonder if they will just say, again, we don't, okay, things aren't under control. The the situation is not really ideal for us moving forward, but it's too important and we're just going to do it. And then when, when you're, when you do it, you bring on, Hey, like, all the disruptions that are going to happen in the season. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of like, like, uh, like we know this is like, I had an AD this morning tell me like, this is really hard. It's going to be really hard for us to get through this season with a, an operating team, not just hard as far as like effort, but as far as money and effort and time. And at a certain point, like if we don't do it, that's what we have to explain to people that it's just too hard. But I also feel like a part of them is like, I understand it's too hard, but we got to do it anyway. And we'll just, and it'll be a messy season with all kinds of disruptions and maybe there'll be starts and stops, but we're just going to do it anyway, regardless of the fact that like, we're not really in a position to do it, not just safely, but efficiently. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. 
Right. You know, you see stuff like Barry Alvarez at Wisconsin, you know, putting out that, you know, they're estimating, you know, losses could be on the level of like nine figures, you know, if they, if they're not uh, playing this year. So, you know, you, you see where they're coming from, but it is just a kind of a logistical um, just nightmare here. So one question I wanted to ask you though, right. Okay. So let's, let's rewind March, you know, kind of all hell breaks loose. Everybody goes every which way. Some kids stay on campus, some go home. Now they bring them all back, you know, for the most part, I think just about every, I can't think of any uh, college football program that hasn't uh, brought their kids, the students, uh, pardon me, their football players back to campus for workouts. Uh, Here's a murky question, but it's an important one. I think are the players safer at home or on campus? Yeah. So I asked the, the expert on that. And I, mm-hmm. honestly, I should have went back and re-listened to her answers because I made sure I got it exactly right because I'm basically just going to try to give you her answer. And reasonably, you can make a logical argument that if you're being tested all the time, if you're being put in a structured, supervised environment, um, you are better off, right? You are mm-hmm. better off than just sort of out on your own. Part of that problem, though, is to put you in a structured, supervised environment, you are creating groups, right? You are Mm -hmm. bringing people together, and the virus is best stopped. The spread of the virus is is best contained by not bringing people together. (laughs) Right, right. Right? So just simple act of bringing people together increases risk. But again, in this situation, there's a lot of good things that are being done when you bring those people together and a lot of precautions being taken. So that's sort of the, where the two sides of the argument lie. And with you know, my you know, wonderful epidemiologist uh, source basically told me, and, and you know, her name is Lucia Mullen. She works for Johns Hopkins University. If you Google her, you can find her. Um, and again, this is a person who's, who's worked with uh, soccer leagues overseas to get their operations up and running, some of which are having have fans. Mm-hmm. Um, and what she'll tell you is what a lot of people who are experts will tell you, and that's it's just it's not a binary simple choice, right? Mm-hmm. Where where is the athlete coming from? What is the athlete's home situation look like? What region is the region that they're in? Um, you know, this uh, Lucia, I believe, is based out of Houston. Um, and, you know, Houston right now is just on fire. Oh, forget right? it. Yeah. Right. So, so yes, if you're taking an athlete out of Houston and bringing them to a campus that where the community is, has the virus far more under control, then that's a, a great deal. And then, of course, you implement all those structures and you test them. So that makes it even better. But again, like there are, there are, sort of individual factors of like, how is that athlete living his life when he Mm -hmm. is away from campus? Maybe he would be really cautious and is in a family where they would be really cautious because they have um, high risk people and he would be isolating and, Mm -hmm. and masking and being again, like very cautious in his movements um, and quarantining. So to simply say they are safer here, 
it, it's just it, it's just not that simple. It's not that simple. Again, I understand the logical arguments, but if you really wanted to approach it, again, as an expert, as an epidemiologist would, you would need a lot more information on each athlete. You can make sort of a broad umbrella statement that, yes, generally speaking, it might be better here than to be on your own, but there's a lot that goes into that that is just is is a lot more complicated than just simply a choice a or choice b right you know and i mean you know i can see i can definitely see arguments for example oh well you know these guys are you know highly trained athletes no matter what they do regardless of what they you know we tell them they're going to be out you know training on their own they're going to go to a gym or what have you you know in their own hometown and you know work out there where there might be you know in you know, more kind of unsanitary conditions relative to what they'd be working on. I, I mean, you know, I get all that. That's also, though, in a, in a certain sense, kind of a good argument for when people say, well, why are they, you know, canceling something so far ahead of time? It's like, well, you know, this way your kids aren't feeling pressured necessarily to get out and, uh, you know, get in shape for a season. Uh, you know, I mean, they can do more kind of, I don't know, maybe less severe training. I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> no. And listen, I mean, in some places you couldn't go to a gym, right? So yeah, right, you'd right. Still be, you'd still be stuck in your backyard with your weights and your sandbags and your jugs of water. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, jugs of water, by the way. Um, I, I learned as I tried to make a backyard workout uh, work, um, some of those like like heavy like big jugs of water that you get from a mm -hmm. store, yeah, those can work a little bit. I, I yeah. learned, I learned that, that that's something that could work at least a little bit. Um, uh, it, you know, again, I'm no football player, so I don't need that much weight. So just a little tip there for yeah. anybody looking. To I took you. I took you for like a shake weight guy though, or something. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> you know the the coolest thing I found when. Uh, and oddly it was a, it was a couple of months into this, um, in the attic of my, of our house, the old owners had left behind like a, a, a milk carton full of some free weights and a few bars. It's not a ton, but <laughs> yeah. I don't need a ton. Right. It was like, I forgot it was even up there. It was way in the back of the attic. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like, you know, salvation. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I can use it. Cause I'm, I hate running. So I, I like, I'd rather lift a few weights. So that was, that was able to get me through the last couple of weeks a lot better. <laughs> there you go. There you go, man. Um, well, let's talk maybe just a little bit about kind of the structure and the mechanics of the season. Um, you know, you wrote today, uh, you have an article out about, uh, you know, kind of balancing or the, the question of the postseason. you know, the bowls. I mean, are those still all in the plans right now? I mean, I know we've got, you know, essentially leagues haven't really come out yet. I mean, at least on the, in the uh, FBS level and said, we're not doing a season at all yet. So, I mean, are those still kind of uh, on the calendar? Yeah. You know, the, the bowls are in a weird position because we don't even know what the regular season is going to look like. Mm -hmm. So how do we know? I mean, there are a whole bunch of bowl games that don't even have dates yet now we all kind of know about when each game is played like there's a general sort of framework to the calendar right like mm -hmm. uh, a day or two before um uh, after christmas we usually get like the pinstripe bowl and i think the music city bowl like if you're a big right. college football fan you could almost in your head like sketch it out yeah exactly should be time for the camping world bowl yeah yeah that yeah. yeah but but nonetheless those haven't even been set yet and part of the reason why is because again we don't even know what the regular season is going to look like 
and there's been talk of, um, you know, public talk amongst the uh, FBS commissioners of knocking their championship games back maybe one week, maybe even two weeks. And if you go back two weeks to December 19th, well, that's that first weekend where you get all that, that Saturday. Yeah. At all those cool group of five games where you haven't seen a football game in about two weeks and you just sit down and like bask in the cure bowl and the new Orleans bowl and, uh, you know, Southern miss again mm-hmm. eight and all that stuff. So those games, what happens to those games if you're playing championship games on that, on that day? So th- that's all up in the air. All the bowls are committed to actually having games. Here's the, the major question, though, the sort of the, the crux of this deal. As we said before, this is going to be a season where you're going to just, they're going to, if we play, it's going to be lower your heads and get through it, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> just yeah. Plow yeah. Through it. So the question I think remains is, and if, if I get through my season, if I just like survive the season, do I now want to play another game? Right, it, especially if that game. And now I'm not here to like get into the meaningless bowl com- conversation. Mm-hmm. Right. But if that game is not for a championship, right, and you know your team is seven and five, and the other team you're playing is seven and five, mm-hmm. and you have to make a trip across the country to do this, and like, am I going to want to do that? And we don't know. We don't know. I mean, there's revenue things there. ESPN, I'm sure, would like them. I mean, there's going to be all, again, money will be a factor here. But I I think it's fair to ask that question. As of right now, the Bulls want to play, and all the conferences say they want to play Bulls. But I think if we do get to have a season, and we do get to the end of this season, uh, I could see a lot of teams just deciding, like, do we really want to do this? And then the, the, the second part of that becomes, if I'm a bowl game and all of my revenue is gener- generated by fans, right? By the advertising I can sell in the stadium, you know, be- with fans in it, and all of that goes away, and I can't have any fans, or I can only have a very few fans, and I'm again a, a small-time bowl that doesn't have big sponsorships. Do I really want to put on this game? Like, am I am I losing money? Am I making money or saving money by just not playing? Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's, just that's yeah. the part of it too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, kind of, you know, lastly here, let's talk about the potential for football in the spring. I mean, when you bring that up or when you talk to conference commissioners or ADs about that, I mean, what's the general feeling? Yeah. The, the word last resort comes up a lot. You know, it's funny. Yeah. I, I think a month and a half ago, two, well, maybe two months ago when we were in uh, the first of what I would call the um, pessimistic times before mm-hmm. we that like three weeks or window of optimism and went back to pessimism. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the spring thing got talked about a lot and it, it sort of went away, right? Again, we were optimistic, a little more optimistic about a season sort of went away and then it sort of has creeped back in a little bit. I think Again, last resort, and now literally it is the last resort, right? Because if you can't play it in the spring, you can't play it at all. Right. But on a, more, on a more figurative level, I think for some people, they look at it as last resort as in, I want to try everything possible to get it into the fall, and only then will we try the spring. You do find some folks 
And I think Jack Swarbrick, you know, recently from Notre Dame, you know, voiced this publicly where it, it's a figuratively speaking, he's not looking at it as a last resort. And I think you do find some other people in college football. I, I don't know if there was enough of them to make that happen. Um, and I still think the overall sentiment is no, we really want to do everything we can to play in the fall. But I do think that there are some out there who look at this and go, listen, if this is going to be this hard, and if there is so much uncertainty and doubt to try to pull this thing off, why don't we just try in the, in the, in the spring when we may have some vaccines floating around? And I do wonder, as things become a little more, if things trend towards ominous, if now we get some people to sort of change their point of view and not just, don't just take the stand of, I want to play it in the fall and not until I've really, I've tried everything I can to play in the fall. Will I agree to the spring where they change their viewpoint a little bit more towards what Swarbricks is, which is I don't want to go headlong into a season with so much uncertainty. I'm measuring not just like, can we do it, but I'm measuring uncertainty. And it's a very subtle difference in those two opinions there. And that pushes people to be a little more proactive about moving into a spring season or trying a spring season. But that's where it is. So there's a fine line between those two outlooks or those two ways of looking at it. But I do think it's significant. And I'm interested to see how many people sort of move towards Swarbrick's side where just the, just the prospect of a lot of uncertainty is enough to make me say, let's go to the spring as opposed to somebody telling you, no, you must go to the spring. Right. I mean, you know, start getting proactive about putting together what a workable spring season would look like, that type of thing. Uh, you know, I mean, I think that that's all kind of theoretical at the point at this at this moment, but uh, it could, could become, uh, you know, necessary here soon enough. So, well, anyway, yeah, sorry, know, go ahead. You no, know, one quick thing, Alan. I think part of me also feels like, and there's some of this sentiment within college sports that like nobody wants to actually make a decision. <laughs> oh yeah yeah oh yeah oh absolutely and, and especially yeah. the, the 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 bad decision that they're just it's just at this point it's all about buying time kicking it down the road buy time buy time buy time but you know i mean frankly you know time is running out a little bit here. yeah I, I mean they're gonna try the buy time strategy but at some point you're gonna have to make a decision whether the play or not and it's getting late it's getting late. It's getting late. Yeah. And you know, it's funny you said that because like, you know, nobody wants to make a decision. Then when the big, the big 10 made that call to uh, go to a conference only schedule and they announced that, uh, then all of a sudden everybody's upset with them for, uh, you know, kind of jumping, jumping the queue, so to speak on the, on the decision. So, yeah. you know, you can't, you can't really win, but, um, well, anyway, hey, Ralph, uh, you know, obviously all your stuff is, uh, you know, coming up with AP and everything. Where can people find you on Twitter? Yeah, Ralph D. Russo AP, Ralph D. Russo AP, you get me on Twitter. And if you go to uh, apnews.com slash college football, not just me, but you find all of AP's college football coverage there. And uh, I'll just plug the, the podcast is uh, the AP Top 25 College Football Podcast. You can get it wherever you like to download your podcasts. Excellent. Speaking of which, (laughs) you can download this podcast also anywhere you like to get podcasts. Make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and everything. I'll put that in there at this point. Um, But anyway, hey, Ralph, uh, thanks again so much, man. I really appreciate it. This has been really informative, man. 
Appreciate, uh, yeah, appreciate you having me, Alan. Thanks for your time, and uh, you know, stay healthy, stay safe, and like, like, cross your fingers that we get some football. Same to you, man. Same to you. Thanks to you all for joining us too. For the Biting Homers and Podcast, I'm Alan Kenny. Take it easy. All right, man. We're good. Uh, excellent, Alan. Thanks a lot. I really oh, appreciate thanks. it. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. you sticking with me, man. Appreciate it. Thank yeah. you. You got it. See you, man. All right, later.